Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items to cover. First, if you like the episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running. Second, if you are a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, we created an ebook for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All we charge is our admin cost to keep the show running. So, if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says get the ebook to grab yourself a copy today. So with that said, let's dive right in. Today we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. Right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have Darren Huang with us. Darren is a an investor out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He has over a hundred residential units, and he's been eyeing the industrial side of investing, and uh, which is something I've been doing too. So I am super excited to have you here, Darren. Thanks for hopping on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we got started, we like to start with stories. We like to hear how people got to where they are. So why don't you take us back to the beginning? How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah. So I got licensed in 2016. I was just going to be a broker. I thought I was going to be in residential, showing people houses, making dreams come true. And then, you know, maybe I could start a team and then own a brokerage uh, as that career path kind of transpired. But it wasn't until 2017, I actually picked up my first investor client and basically my world got flipped upside down. <laughs> no pun um, intended. Yeah, it's, yeah, basically. So, um, you know, I didn't know that people would just always be looking to buy homes and that it wasn't an emotional, um, you know, uh, response. It was very mathematical. Hey, if the, if the money is there, if the value add is there, if the return is there, I'm going to buy whatever. And so, you know, being uh, without having any kids and being very fresh and having a ton of time, I just went ahead and I just uh, dove deep and helped that client out. Nice, man. I love it. So that, you know, I feel like a lot of people do um, get into real estate and they watch HGTV, they watch the the flipper flop or whatever. And they always think that um, if you want to do real estate, you have to either be an agent or you have to do flipping. Um, and so you saw... You know, having that experience with the investor client, I'm sure you saw a lot of different experience, you know, different types of real estate investing that you can do. Um, what did you choose once you had that, you know, first contact? Yeah. And so he was primarily in single family homes um, and he was uh, doing the burst strategy. And okay. at that point, I had no idea what that was. I was like, I thought it was just, you're going to flip or you're going to buy and hold. I didn't know there was a strategy where you can refinance and recycle that money. And, uh, you know, for me, I didn't grow up with a lot of construction background. And mm -hmm. so that was kind of the biggest challenge um, that he kind of sideways mentored me 
um, in showing. So basically, whenever I would show him a house, I just asked him, hey, listen, um, you know, could you talk out loud and tell me what you're thinking and tell me the vision of this and how much it would cost? And basically having that sideways mentor, as I say, um, just kind of propelled me forward um, into my first investment at the end of 2017. It is so crucial to have those uh, those initial investments. You know, guys, we've said this so many times on the podcast. If you're just getting started, find somebody you can you can emulate. Find somebody who can kind of show you the ropes, because man, it is hard if you don't have some kind of uh, some kind of ladder, some kind of blueprint that you can follow. Especially, you said the the construction side. I totally feel you there. I started in flips, and man, it is hard if you don't if you haven't grown <laughs> up in construction. It's just uh, there's so much you need to know. Um, so that's not where you stopped though. You, you got started in the flips and, uh, from there, what happened, um, moving forward. Yeah. So without a lot of capital with more time and some contacts, you know, I was using a lot of creative financing, but yeah, basically in the single family homes, um, you know, I would like to do either seller carry backs or seller carries. I also really liked using lease with purchases, um, and using hard money to, you know, either using my own money to lease out the property and then cash flow it and then purchase it later to then refinance it. Um, but yeah, 2017, I made that first uh, investment. Uh, it was a it was a small home, thousand square feet. Uh, I bought it for seventy five thousand dollars. Went way over budget. Made all the mistakes, but now it's worth almost one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Renting out for I think fourteen hundred dollars per month. Uh, back then, you know, I got about a thousand dollars. So um, yeah. Once again, all those mistakes kind of were forgiven because uh, of the time time that I held. Perfect. Um, and you actually said something that I I don't know. See, I've been in real estate for a while, and there's still strategies that I don't know about. You said lease with purchase, um, so that mm-hmm. means that you're leasing the property from the owner, and you don't own it yet, but you're doing the flip on the property. Yeah. So this particular one, um, we bought it for $75,000, but for the first year I said, I'm going to pay your mortgage for you um, in in terms of rent. So we did a lease. So I only paid 400, maybe 500 ish. Yeah. 500 ish dollars. Um, It was a, yeah. And then, you know, um, you know, I was done with the renovations about two, three months in and it rented out for a thousand dollars. So I was making that in between. And then finally, when the kind of option period was up, we mm-hmm. ended up purchasing it with hard money and then taking it to the bank immediately because it was rented out, had a stable tenant and it was, um, you know, prettier <laughs> than it used to be. And they, they gave us ba- basically all the money back. Nice. Um, so that was just very, very creative to be able to do. Yeah. Lease options. I love it. Um, so that is single family. You said, you know, in your, in your intro, you had a hundred residential units. Is that all single family or did you get into multifamily eventually? Yeah. So the majority of those are single families or small multis. Um, we do have a small 25 unit mobile home park. Um, but that has been the bane of my existence and that's why I've really shifted (laughs) into uh, industrial properties. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We own, uh, or I own two mobile home parks and, uh, -hmm. yeah, there, there was a craze, uh, I don't know, probably two years ago, there were people just loved mobile home parks and, you know, we jumped in too. And it is, um, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. There's a, there's definitely a specific tenant base that goes to mobile home parks and, uh, those can be difficult. Um, so I, I feel you there. You've, uh, you've since switched, you know, you're in the residential, you got tired of kind of mm-hmm. fixing the toilets, that kind of thing. Now you're looking <laughs> at industrial. So what yes. got you to point your finger at industrial? 
I love industrial. So just this past year, we bought about 100,000 square feet. And the main thing is triple net leases. Oh my goodness. I literally thought these were fake um, because <laughs> coming from residential, like what wh- these leases don't make sense to me um, because the triple nets are, let me, let me kind of go back. The triple nets that you can uh, charge back for the tenant include the property insurance, the property taxes, and then any common area maintenance. So I, as a landlord, get to charge the tenant the property taxes. And of course, in the residential world, you usually have a gross lease where the landlord is paying that. And then also, you know, the insurance and the common area maintenance. And then in most uh, commercial leases, you know, they're taking care of the broken toilet. They're taking care of the broken light switch, um, you know, depending on the terms. Yep. Yeah, that is, um, that's the reason that I actually started looking at it just because of that triple net. It's so attractive. Um, mm-hmm. So 100,000 square feet, that's a that's a big purchase. Is it in out yes. there in Tulsa or is it in a, in a different market? Yeah, so it spans over three properties. One, oh, okay. uh, there are two single tenant net le- leases, also known as STNLs. So those just have a single tenant. They pay their rent, they pay their property insurance and taxes. So I have two of those. And then I bought a 50,000 multi-tenant um, industrial park. And that nice. has about 15 different spaces, can be demised, and you know maybe it, it flexes from 12 to 17-ish, uh, but averaging about 15. Okay, cool. Um, so talk to me like you were just getting into it. I know you started in residential and you got into industrial. So there's a lot that you had to learn. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm at that stage. I own self-storage, I own mobile home parks. I own, uh, you know, single family, but, uh, you know, I've never been in industrial. So try to teach me what were the first few things that you had to learn that were kind of new, um, in the industrial, yeah. you know, asset class that you could, uh, you can kind of teach me, um, going into it. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I'll just kind of zoom out and just say, uh, you know, triple net leases are definitely one of the main drivers that I'm looking into it, but some of the macro economics of it, uh, include that industrial real estate is actually the largest real estate class in commercial real estate in the United States. Um, but yeah, once again, not a lot of people know about it. Yeah. It has almost, um, uh, it's definitely not the most grossing, but uh, spread out uh, right. per square foot yeah. um, is is the largest. Yeah, and I'm and assuming so, that's just the the square footage of the land, not you know if mm-hmm. you were to include the the vertical square footage, that'd be probably a different story, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It doesn't yeah. even include you know cubit or, or volume wise. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because some some of them now are being built with 30, 40 foot ceilings. Um, some of the big box tenants like Amazon and FedEx and stuff like that. But yep. um, so yeah. That's one of the main reasons why is that there's still a lot of deals to be had because it is the largest one and you know the the spotlight's not really shown on it. But mm-hmm. if I was kind of breaking down what industrial real estate is, it really is categorized in three different um, categories. The first one is warehouse and distribution. Mm-hmm. So that that is like Amazon, FedEx, you have a lot of semi-trucks, maybe it's close to a port or really close to a railroad, something along those lines. Um, and you know that is import, export, and they just handle a ton of boxes or food or you know whatever the case it may be that they're shipping. So like I said, at the very top level, that's Amazon, that's FedEx. When you go to the local level, I just did a deal with an appliance, used appliance shop. Mm, And so they get all the appliances, they fix them up, and then they send them to the retail store. Yep. So it's a little warehouse there. Um, It's not that little, it's 20,000 square feet. So that's just a deal that I did on the local level. So warehouse, 
The second one is manufacturing. Now, this is kind of what you might think when it comes to industrial real estate at the very top level. Tesla factories or something like that. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, Intel is making their chips. They are going to invest, I think, $20 billion into Ohio. Um, And so that's really exciting for Ohio. Good job, Um, You know, on the... Yeah, good job, Ohio. And yeah, of course, you know, Panasonic, I think, is in Kansas. They're doing a lot of the lithium batteries for mm-hmm. Tesla and for all EVs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, maybe even a publicly traded company that you don't know about here in Tulsa, we have Kimberly Clark. Mm, yep. Um, some of the brands that they have include Huggies, Bounty, um, you know, paper yeah, products. Like Johnson and Johnson, right? Correct, correct. Yep. Yeah. And so they manufacture paper products, not like uh <laughs> When I think of that, I think of uh, Dunder Mifflin. So it's not it's not like that. But <laughs> um, so yeah, on the local level, that manufacturing is going to be you know I have a tenant that does little widgets for oil and gas. They they make oil and gas parts. They make yeah. gun parts. Um, you know stuff like that. So they manufacture. And then the third is called a catch all. It's called flex, and it's exactly what you think. It's just like whatever it can be. So some of that on the upper levels might be medical facilities and research labs and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, on the local level, some of the stuff that I have, it can either be maybe a showroom in the front, warehouse in the back, maybe it's positioned to retail or office in the front. It's just flexible and it can be whatever you want it to be. Yep. Yeah. So that, uh, I'm glad you said that, you know, you broke it out like that because I've never actually had it broken down to me. Um, so warehouse distribution, manufacturing and flex, that makes sense. And flex also includes the things that have, you know, it's kind of like mixed use retail where there's a retail frontage and then a warehouse in the back, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. That makes sense. Um, so what are, you know, I, I started marketing for industrial and then I've had conversations with industrial guys um, and they use a whole bunch of things, you know, terminology that I don't <laughs> understand. One of them is like clear scan. Yes. What are the yeah. things that are, people are looking for when, you know, as a, as a tenant who is leasing a property, what are they looking for um, in an in industrial industrial property? Yeah, that's a great question. It it really kind of varies depending on what asset within, you know, the the three types that you're looking at. So, you know, let's use some of these terminologies like gray doors or dock high doors. So, you know, first and foremost, what a tenant looks uh for is the transportation. Mm-hmm. Is it close to an airport? Is it close to a highway? Is it close to a port if you're, you know, in a port city? Um and, and stuff like that, just because most of that warehousing distribution needs to transport. Of yep. course, they're looking for, you know, um, you know, the workforce. Is it a workforce that understands um, blue collar work or, or, you know, some of the technology uh, behind some of those things? Um, but also within the actual specific building itself is going to be most likely related to um, what they need to put in or what they need to do. So, for example, warehouse or distribution, they usually need a lot of doors and a lot of space and a lot of height in their um, in their building, just because they have racking systems. Nowadays, there's technology and robots that help them with inventory. Um, and then, you know, one they, they usually want to be close to distribution, so a highway or railroad or something like that. And so, like I mentioned before, some of the big boys like Amazon, they're building 30, 40 foot high high buildings and they need, you know, 100, 200, 400,000 square feet. Um, so yeah, that's obviously at the very, uh, end of that. But, you know, for a tenant like mine, um, that has the used appliances, they don't really need that clear height. Um, so mine is 20 feet tall. Okay. That makes sense. 
Um, very cool, man. I, uh, I love this topic. I'd love to get further into it, but I just checked the clock and we have gone through our time. So I have to push us into the quick question round. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. It starts with books. I'm a big bookie. So give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and one for real estate specific. Cool. So I will go for the general first. I am re I just read a book called Transfluence by Walt Rakowicz. Uh, he was the CEO of Prologis, which is the world's largest um, you know, industrial owner. And so that's more positioned for leadership. And he led his company Prologis through the Great Recession. Um, their stock was like $75, dropped down to $2, and then now wow. it's uh rebounded back. So yeah, now he he led through the two dollar and you know it's it's really great. So that's Damn, one that I just that read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then second one is just real estate uh related. Um, I would say that I really enjoy, let me try to think of one off the cuff. Um, I really enjoy, there's one called industrial intelligence. So the kind of going on the theme of industrial, it's by Justin Smith. He's a broker. The The book is really positioned for, uh, the CEO or CFO, um, what to look for in an industrial building. And oh, so that gives you kind of insights of what tenants are looking for, but he does a lot of like kind of the high end stuff, um, mm-hmm. like Amazon, he has clients like Amazon and FedEx. So, uh, industrial intelligence, if you want to deep dive deep into real estate, into industrial. Perfect, man. I love it. All right. Moving on. This next one is for your younger self. So if you could go back to the Darren who is just closing on that oh, first boy. deal, uh, go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. I would say your network is really your net worth. I was so busy doing deals. I was so busy on the, you know, the actual um, non-relational parts of it um, that, you know, I, I really neglected some of the relationships that I should have kept up. Um, yeah. And so that's one thing. Um, another thing is that um, it's just about people, man. It's all about people, even your team, even your network and people that you have. So uh, yeah, yeah, people man, first. That- that is a uh, timeless wisdom and especially true here in real estate because it's amazing uh once you once you do start to build your network um i was the same way as you when i just got started i was deal focused i was only focused on the deal and it's it's reasonable because you're trying to get that that momentum but once you mm-hmm. do start to really focus on the relationships things do open up so that is great great advice for your younger self yeah uh, which moves us to the next question this is your superman strength we are all gifted with strengths that we uniquely give to this world so what is your unique strength what are you good at yeah so i would say the unique strength that i have is looking forward in the future i'm fairly visionary so even when people were first starting um and and colleagues that were starting to flip homes you know i said hey how do i keep these homes how do i project out in the future and uh, how do i not let five thousand dollars um you know if if the price differentiation is in about five thousand dollar gap how do i overcome that so creative strategies and then looking towards the future are um my superpower Perfect. Love it. Moves us to the next question. This one is mentors. None of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. And you, you've you already mentioned this earlier in your podcast, but give a shout out to a mentor who has contributed tremendously to your career. Yeah. So that first guy, his name was Curtis. Um, what an amazing person just to be able to bring me along and pick his brain. Of course, I uh, added value to him by being able to open doors and underwriting hundreds and hundreds of deals for him and with him. Um, but yeah, Curtis, oh my goodness. Thank you so much. <laughs> Love it. 
All right. Uh, second to last question. This is about the US. There are a lot of square miles out there to purchase, um, a lot of opportunities. So give me one metro that you are most excited about investing in today. I try to use my competitive edge. And so I am really focused in Tulsa and the surrounding areas. So um, you mentioned Oklahoma City. That's about an hour and a half away from me. We're still underwriting a couple of deals, but majority of it will be in a one hour radius uh, within Tulsa. Perfect, man. Your back door is the best place to invest for sure. And that leads us to the last question. Um, you've given us a lot of good advice. So I'm sure people want to reach out. What is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, definitely. My website is darrenhuang.com, D-E-R-E-N-H-U-A-N-G.com. And if you want to sign up for my newsletter, I have all the exclusive deals there and you'll receive a free gift. So darrenhuang.com, please reach out to me. All right. And I will put that URL in the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out, just click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description and in there you can find Darren's URL. So Darren, that wraps it up. I appreciate you hopping on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And for everybody who is here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at the real estate investing club.com. And if you guys want to support us, the best way to do that is just to give us a little subscribe on the, the show um, and get, leave us a review on Apple. That is pretty much the only way that I ever, ever would want to be supported on this show because we do, I do love what I do here. So other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.